Jimmy, you're at a very photogenic angle right now. I think we're actually live right now. <laughs> oh no, pants. <laughs> no, I just saw in chat, it said uh, live. All right. Well then, hello and welcome to a special National Science Fiction Convention edition of The Journey Show. We've got a very special show for you here at The Journey Show because you may not know who Galactic Journey is, uh, although if you went to Worldcon, you probably do. We were on the Hugo Ballot this year, last year, and the year before. We are time travelers. We live exactly 55 years ago. So currently where I am at Journey Headquarters, it is August 22nd, 1965. And a lot has happened, and we're going to get to the news in just a sec. But here's why you're here. Thank you, audience, for coming. We have an amazing panel of illustrators, comic artists, and cover designers who are here to draw all sorts of 60s science fiction-inspired doodles for your enjoyment. So I want you to think of all the cool things that they could be drawing, because we're going to solicit you for suggestions in just a moment. But first, this news. And by the way, here's a question. Can everyone hear me okay? Wonderful, all right. So first, this news. Ah, hold on, technical difficulties. See, totally different. Intelsat uses completely different software from Syncom, and so this is all very new to me, so stand by. All right. It's been a tumultuous fortnight since our last news update. Easily the most significant news this month was the week-long riot rebellion in the Watts neighborhood of Southern Los Angeles sparked by a late night sobriety arrest and fueled by summer heat and years of discrimination. From August 11th, thousands of black Angelinos crowded the streets in a conflagration of violence and looting. The unrest was only quelled after the National Guard was called in with the last major clash occurring at a black Muslim mosque this morning or the morning of August 18th. The toll, 34 dead, 898 injured, more than 4,000 arrested. Damage estimates are around $45 million. If there is a silver lining to the events of last week, it is that a light has been shined on the plight of black Americans in California. There is no question that the recent repealing of the Rumford Fair Housing Act, the 1963 law that had prevented landlords from discriminating on the base of color, sex, or physical condition played a part in the outrage. Also police brutality and racial profiling. Will California and the nation learn from these events? It is difficult to say, but early signs are promising. Both Governor Brown and Dr. King were in Los Angeles during and after the riots, listening and studying. On August 9th, the city-state of Singapore, led by Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew, formally split from the nation of Malaysia. 
economic policy differences and ethnic strife between the Malay and Chinese populations of the two countries were the main factors in the breakup. Reportedly, the Marines have won the Battle of Van Tung in central Vietnam, clearing the peninsula of Viet Cong troops and insurgents. It is the first action to be conducted entirely by US forces in Vietnam. After a scrubbed launch on August 8, 19th, astronauts Gordo Cooper and Pete Conrad lifted off yesterday in Gemini 5 for an historic eight-day flight. Despite issues with onboard batteries, it looks like the two spacemen are set to double prior orbital endurance records. And on August 15th, the Beatles performed to almost 60,000 screaming fans in the first ever stadium performance at Shea Stadium in New York. Their American tour will continue throughout August 31st. Tonight, they are in Portland, and next week, they will be playing right here in San Diego. And that's the news. So for those of you who are not familiar with the journey, that was a glimpse into the world we all live in, covering the science fiction, the space shots, the music, the fashion. If it exists in 1965, chances are we've covered it, whether in America, England, West Germany, Australia, Japan, you name it, the journey is there, even the Soviet Union. But today we have a very special panel and I'm going to introduce them one at a time and they will show pictures of themselves as inspired by comic strips of the day. So I'd like to know who you are and who you picked as your inspiration. Let's start with Hugo finalist, Alyssa Winans. Hi everybody, uh, I am an illustrator and I work in book covers and advertising and I drew myself as a Peanuts character, one of my favorite comic strips. Fantastic. And Kathleen, tell us about you. Hi, my name is Kathleen Abelas. I'm an illustrator and a comic book artist. And this is a picture of me. It was inspired by Wonder Woman comics. Here you go. <laughs> and Jimmy? Hi, I'm a cartoonist. I'm a comic book artist, illustrator, political uh, political cartoonist, and uh, whatever, if you've got money, I will draw whatever you want. I drew this drawing on myself. Going for the Jack Kirby look. Fantastic, and unfortunately, we, oh, where's, uh, where's Lorelai? Oh, there you are. All right, Lorelai, tell us about you. So I am a professional illustrator. I do uh, illustrations for the book series, The Kitra Saga. And I also just like to doodle in my free time. And I did myself in the style of uh, Kelly Frias, the book um, magazine cover illustrator. So I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work that the audience can send their suggestions to us um, because it doesn't seem like we have a direct connection to the audience as we did at, oh, there we go. Um, so I, so we have our first request. We uh, want a sketch of Nnedi Okorafor typing and creating black girl magic and black boy magic stories. So in 1965, uh, we as yet do not have, unfortunately, any prominent black women science fiction authors. We have our first prominent black male author, 
uh, Sam or Chip Delaney, and he's just come out with his amazing Towers of Toron series. That said, it doesn't mean we can't have a prompt for the wonderful artists here to be drawing someone creating amazing science fiction. So how about uh, a person at a desk uh, creating, preferably someone uh, of, of darker hue? What do you think? Can Sounds you do like it? Fun. Yeah, that definitely can good. be done. All right, so our artists are going to get to work. And in the meantime, I'm happy to answer any questions about life in 1965. Um, also, if you have any questions for the panelists, like how they got their start, what their inspirations are, who their favorite 1965 artists are, uh, what their favorite science fiction might be from the day, if they know, uh, television, whatever, uh, I will be happy to ask it around the panel. And by the way, if you want some suggestions, um, some ideas on what we do, I will put on your magic television screens, black and white or color, how to find us. And you too can jump through the time machine. I see everyone I, is- I had, I had to remind myself that the creative person had to have a typewriter. Well, yes. Well, some, some <laughs> will write longhand. Sure. Some insane people. I personally use an IBM Selectric. And uh, once I went to electric typewriters, I couldn't go back. Although my nephew David swears by manuals because he's always afraid of blackouts, which Alyssa apparently in the Bay Area is quite familiar with blackouts at the moment. Yep, we're having a good time with our power grid up here. So the question is, what kind of careers are available for artists in 1965? Uh, and the fact is um, pretty much the same ones that exist today. Uh, people still had to draw covers for books, illustrations in books, comic strips. Um, there is some discussion of someday there being the ability to compose via computers, um, but obviously that's far in the distance, but maybe not so far. They are already selling computer-aided drafting machines um, to greatly speed up the ability to do schematics. So for instance, the defense industry might have a $100,000 computer, um, which will allow them to draft electronically. Um, and that's pretty exciting. But for the average layperson, it's all on paper. But someone is asking about Bob Dylan for uh, being booed playing electric guitar at a concert. Uh, and that is true. Um, Bob Dylan made a dramatic change from what he was doing with the folk music of the early 60s. I tend to prefer his folk style to his electric style, but there's no question um, that it is catching on in a lot of circles. The fact is 1965 is a time of radical change. Probably the first year that you can say is definitely not the 50s. Uh, if there's any, if you want any physical evidence of that, look at my hair today compared to how it was last year when I still was having my 50s style cut. I have firmly decided that I will grow my hair out to my feet if I have to until this war in Vietnam is over. Because I support our President Johnson and all his societal, great society uh, measures, but uh, I, I, I strongly oppose our current involvement in Vietnam. How are we doing with the drawings? Almost done with mine. It's so fast. 
<laughs> it's okay. Take your time. The cartoonist power. <laughs> How uh, long have you been drawing, Jimmy? Sorry. No, go ahead. I have been drawing all my life. Uh, I got to be I, I got in be, to be a professional artist in 2004, and my first job was a caricature artist. That was pretty much like trial by fire because I had to go to a school and draw people's faces, and uh, there was no time to set up the drawing. You just had to immediately start drawing. So there's mine. Oh, that's beautiful. And she is creating the next uh, giant sci-fi story. That's so great. I uh, just wrote a story uh, involving a young woman of Ethiopian extraction. Um, and she reminds me a bit of her. By the way, while we're waiting for the others, a word for our sponsor. Today's program is brought to you by Mad Magazine, the satire that just keeps giving. And of course, Black Licorice, the candy that 66% of Journey watchers can't stand. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> That's my favorite selling point I've ever heard. <laughs> I just, this is new. We just got it in the mail in between the last show and this one. There is definitely more flavor of anus, anus in it than, uh, than the other one. Feel free to keep the questions coming. Happy to tell you more about life in 1965. In fact, while we're waiting. The Yardbirds are on the radio. And this is an actual radio broadcasting. We have a time warp around our house and it plays the classics or the music of 1965. We also have a television station. I think mine's complete. Say again? I'd say mine's complete. Oh, excellent. All right, Lorelai, show us what you got. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, that's great. So she is writing on paper um, because I am uh, biased towards paper mediums, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. I think mine's done. Ooh. Wonderful. I feel like mine's very similar, but from a different angle. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are all oh, great. great. Wow, you captured it perfectly. All right, so we are waiting, but we won't wait for long. I'll have to come up with something, or one of us will have to come up with something for the next prompt for our lovely people to draw. What would you like to see? Actually, um, I have one, I have one. Um, based on the previous question, what would a futuristic musician be playing and what would they look like? How futuristic are we talking? Very. <laughs> as futuristic as you like, it could be tomorrow, or it could be 50, 100 years in the future. People playing their nose. I could do that. <laughs> I have a very large instrument. 
Um, someone asks, oh, mermaids with laser guns. All right, that'll be number, <laughs> that'll be the third prompt. Um, I'm looking very forward to that one. <laughs> the, you are correct. The Voting Rights Act, which was just passed, is one of the most significant elements of LBJ's Great Society program. And this is one of the reasons I, I love the guy. I mean, he's uncouth and he lifts his dogs by their ears. Um, and he sent thousands of American soldiers to die in Vietnam. I'm not very happy about that. But in terms of his domestic oh, no. policy, yay, kitty. <laughs> In terms of his domestic policy, he has done so much. For 20 years, nothing happened. Uh, and now we've had uh, uh, the poll tax abolished. Uh, we've had um, uh, an expansion of Medica uh, Medicare exists now. So people over a certain age are automatically medically insured. Um, apparently there's a revitalization of immigration that's gonna go through Congress. That's been stalled for 20 years. Um, they shut the door in 1924, and for 40 years, people have been kept out. And uh, who, who can forget uh, the tragic images of Jews trying to get into this country in the late 30s and being turned away only to be killed by the Nazis when they got back to Germany? So the times, they are a change in, as Bob Dylan says, um, and probably none too soon. The, the rest of violence we are seeing um, and the backlash in the South uh, all, all speaks to the fact that society is changing all of a sudden like a tectonic shift. Um, certainly the Voting Rights Act is long overdue. Uh, and as long as it gets enforced by the polls and by the troop, uh, I think we can see things from that. Mermaids with laser guns. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense because they shoot above the water. I would think the water would attenuate the beam underwater. And of course, Laurel, I would agree, you could actually show laser bolts because the wavelength wouldn't be visible to the eye and would be traveling at the speed of light anyway. So you just have to give some indication that there was great power going through the guns, right, Lorelei? Of course. All right, anyone want to place any bets on who's going to finish this one first? Uh, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting really intricate with this one. Mm. It's getting getting very uh, suitable. Is that the Trish that I know and love out there wrangling the uh, the teletypes out there? The, uh, the member of a Hugo, another Hugo finalist uh, organization. I bet it is. I don't, know if, I don't know if she can hear me, but if it is, hi, Trish. All right, I'm done. All right, lay it on us. Uh, I don't know the name of it yet. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not really that good at naming uh, instruments, but this is, this instrument uses your brain waves to play. <laughs> oh, amazing. And that will be far into the future. That's a noggin horn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. See, I'm, you're, you're so much, you're a writer. You got this. <laughs> I am a writer. I just made a sale to Dark Matters magazine, actually. 
That was pretty neat. Uh, oh, hi, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, it feels like mythical creatures go in and out of fashion. What are the coolest for 1965? Uh, mythical creatures. Well, witches are all over the place right now. Um, if you watch television between uh, the Adams Family and the Munsters and Bewitched, uh, it's, it's all about witches right now. Um, which is really interesting. They, all of those shows started at the same time last season. Um, and I don't know if, if it all came from a common idea or what. Um, and if you get a chance to watch any of them, uh, Bewitched is absolutely terrible. It is, it, is, it is a 1960s marriage in all of its darkest, most horrible ways. Um, and the, the antidote to that is The Addams Family, which is subversively wonderful um, and possibly the best depiction of the Journey family you will ever find with uh, me as Gomez and uh, my lovely wife as Morticia, which I guess makes Lorelei Wednesday. So I finished mine. <laughs> All right, show us Wednesday. <laughs> so this one actually takes on um, a... Uh, I saw this clip on TV recently, actually, of this invention um, that just came out where somebody was playing a piano, um, but the piano keys were connected to bits of tape, which had recordings of other instruments on them. So when you played it, it played other instruments. So you had like a whole orchestra at your fingertips. Uh, so my theory is that in the future, they're going to keep going with this, but instead of tape, it's going to be hooked up to maybe like computers behind the scenes that have like clips uh on the computers and uh i don't know how they'll get them backstage because they'll be awfully heavy but uh, something like that where it's a whole orchestra instrument that's amazing so the instrument she's talking about is called the mellotron so this is going to be the the vacotron or the the unitron oh uh, and uh lorelei you've been asked to show your picture closer to the camera so it's easier to see okay i'll see if i can hold it up That's better. Oh, he's rocking. He looks like Elvis before he went all Hawaiian and ballady. Oh yeah, he has a uh, long hair and a beard too because that's of course the uh, the trend where all the music is going. All the if you uh, aren't square and you actually listen to some good stuff. Everybody's got long hair. Yeah, no no squares here. We're hip. All right. Uh, um, okay. So instruments haven't changed too much. Still kind of looks like a piano, but the people sure have. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, a little <laughs> keyboard. I don't think that's a person. I think he's a plant. That's great. Mine is kind of boring. <laughs> I just had some guy with weird spiky hair playing on floating drums. <laughs> That's not weird. Anti-gravity drums? Yeah. I mean, it could be a thing. That would be fun. And you could program to be like a, like vibraphone or or any sound you want. Tom-tom, harpsichord, whatever. No, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, that's everybody. So are you ready to do mermaids with laser guns? Yes. <laughs> Just so don't ready. put Very swing wings so. on their head. Born ready. Uh, so someone asked, are we seeing science fiction inspired by recent political changes? 
Uh, absolutely. Um, in the mid to late 50s, a whole bunch of countries that were formally, formal, formerly, that's easy for me to say, um, colonial possessions, uh, which is to say conquered by other people, uh, got their freedom. And so we went from around 50 nations in the world to more than 100. Uh, and the United Nations is now living up to its name, uh, or maybe perhaps not, because there are lots of disunity in the United Nations. Um, and we are seeing decolonialization um, and, and liberation and revolt definitely being a theme we're seeing uh, uh, out in, in science fiction. Now, some of that, is, of course, is good old Americana because we had a revolution in this country. Um, and, uh, and so we draw on those traditions. But it's sort of being fed again by the recent wave of revolution, I think. Also, because of sort of the, 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 the second wave of feminism, um, and liberation of peoples. We're getting a lot more stories about peoples getting their freedom. We're seeing better representation in our science fiction of, of more diverse kinds of characters. Um, and, and we're seeing more dis frank discussion of, I'm afraid to say, sex. Um, so that's gonna be really interesting. We'll see, uh, we'll see if they stand the, uh, the smut test over the next few years. Would you like to see my mermaid? Do you have to ask? <laughs> oh, powerful. <laughs> that is a very good mermaid. Oh, I was excited about that. The moment you said uh, mermaids, I was like, that's cool. Lasers, even better. Sold. <laughs> well, that's a, that's the way science fiction is being changed. So the laser is actually a very new invention. And of course, they're all Ruby based right now. Um, but the laser has only been in common parlance for the last, say, five years. And so we're just starting to see lasers in science fiction as, as uh, weaponry um, and also used for other things, too. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, they use it in the most recent James Bond film. Right, right. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Ah, right then. Could I have a vodka martini shaken, not stirred, before you destroy my willy with a beam? All right, keep those prompts coming. Hard to keep mermaids PG thirteen, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Just think, you know, Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did all right. Uh, I'm I'm very confused. What do mermaids have with Disney, and what is this rattling of letters and numbers? That sounds like a maybe a, a French fighter plane, the PG thirteen. <laughs> but I think what she's worried about is her drawing uh, uh, violating some of the blue laws. But this is science fiction, and we've always been on the cutting edge, and there's always been covers that have sort of pushed the lines in terms of the va-voom. So, so worry not, Alyssa. Okay, so I kind of took some liberties with this one, because my favorite thing to do with mermaids is make a reverse mermaid, where the top half is a fish and the bottom half is legs. And also, instead of a gun, I gave it laser eyes. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> that is a, oh my goodness. So in uh, fantasy and science fiction, just a few months ago, they had a story about a reverse mermaid. 
and and the fisherman who was rather um, uh, shocked to find out that that's what mermaids were really like. And it was a very affectionate reverse mermaid. He did not find the affections particularly uh, welcome. So for Laura those who, oh, oh go ahead, I'm go sorry. Ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say Lorelai, that even the intro was funny on that drawing. I was looking <laughs> just having a, a a reverse mermaid with laser vision is amazing. <laughs> I think that's Thank a new you. Olympic uh, uh, dive name. This is called the reverse mermaid with laser beams. <laughs> the Romanian judge gives it a 6.8. All right, for those who are looking for new inspiration, the next topic is gonna to be a good old bug-eyed monster with or without a damsel in distress. I think this is someone who is a fan of the old pulps. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, but finish your mermaids first. Um, uh, my uh, bug-eyed monster is going to be uh, not a fan of Mondays. <laughs> I actually really like Mondays. The only thing I don't like about Mondays is bookstores tend to be closed on Mondays. So when I'm selling one of Journey Press's fine titles, including Rediscovery Science Fiction by Women, 1958 to 1963, whenever I call the stores, I don't get through. But on the other hand, it means I don't have to work as hard on Mondays. So for all of you joining us from all kinds of different places, it's a very interesting time. Five years ago, this would not have been possible. Satellites allowing cross Atlantic Pacific communication did not exist until the first Telstar flew in 1962. And I cannot overstate the impact this had on the world. There were songs about Telstar, there were there were, um, it influenced uh, the design of, of, of art and, uh, and physical objects. The idea that you could watch a soccer game on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean was just exciting. And now last year, they were able to transmit the Olympics live from Japan, uh, except of course, everyone was asleep in America when they did that. So it wasn't terribly useful. Okay, I have a mer mermaid. Fantastic, show us your mermaid. Oh, oh, that's yes. really neat. Haven't done a laser that's gun before, but I love it. Yeah, that's that's extremely pulpy and beautiful. Very period appropriate. Uh, and someone asked, "Do I have any recommended stories about either mermaids or bug-eyed monsters?" Uh, if you look back at Galactic Journey, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's back from like 1960. But Ted Sturgeon wrote a great story. I could preface anything with that. Um, but Ted Sturgeon wrote a great story uh, about a mermaid. And what's interesting is, is, I think the next month, Ray Bradbury wrote a story about a mermaid, which wasn't nearly as good. 
um, which again, you could preface anything. Ted Surgeon wrote a story and then Ray Bradbury wrote one that wasn't as good. Um, but anyway, if you look that up, uh, that's one of my favorite stories about a mermaid and I do not remember the title, uh, but you can find it by going to the Galactic Journey and looking through for Ted Sturgeon stuff. Uh, it's in fantasy and science fiction, probably around 1960. Thank I'm done with my monster. I'm done with I'm my mermaid. I want, I want to see your mermaid first. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like Kathleen and Alyssa's mermaids would either be fighting to the death or a super <laughs> duo. Super They're collaborators. Duo. Yes. <laughs> you know, we could probably do a comic series and make a million dollars. And by the way, 1965, a million dollars is a lot of money. I would like a million dollars. <laughs> so if you want to uh, recommended stories about bug eye monsters, I'll, I, I, if you want to watch The Outer Limits, which was an anthology show that aired for a year and a half from 1963 to 1964 and was covered in its entirety, by the way, by Natalie Devitt at The Journey. Um, the first season, always every episode featured someone in a suit playing a bug-eyed monster. Uh, in the following year, we got stories with a bit more nuance uh, and they actually got Harlan Ellison writing a couple of the stories uh, and neither of which he did under the pen name Cordwainer Bird. Um, but the first season, if you want bug-eyed monsters, it is a wonderful homage to the bug-eyed monsters of the 50s B-movie. So that is the Outer Limits television show. And Jimmy's looking at me going, so what, what am I going to draw now? I'm ahead of everybody else. Class, <laughs> can I go home? So Jimmy, I'm afraid you're going to have to go to that old standby. Oh, what'd you do? It's a fly man. Oh, he's, he's a moth. He's a moth who hates Mondays. <laughs> oh, I see. Moth is just trying to do its job. So, so uh, if you came to the last show, you saw that uh, people drew lots of really flattering pictures of me. Uh, Andy Duclef, who's the one person on the panel who could be here, drew me with, I think, 18 abdominal muscles, um, which, you know, is not quite accurate. I actually have 24, but it was pretty close <laughs> under the circumstances. So, uh, Jimmy, if you'd like to draw perhaps a flattering picture of you and me uh, standing side by side, as we often are, uh, that would be wonderful. Can we be in space? We can be anywhere you want. Excellent. I have beard envy. Jimmy is, is outclassing me by far. <laughs> you look a bit like that young, um, he does commercials for coffee and does some other things. Uh, Henson, I think his name is. I think he's on the rise with, uh, with his career. Sounds like a name I uh, should follow. I, I wouldn't expect you to know it, it's obscure. We have 15 minutes and then this room explodes. By the way, for those who are here, if you want a fun place to go, you can actually join us 55 years ago in Portal 55 and on your Homes television screens, if you enter that address into your teletype machine, you will be able to join us live in living text back 55 years ago. We we're actually having a very avid discussion on the value of awarding Hugos 
to works that had not been awarded Hugos. So for instance, works from the 1940s before the Hugos became an event in the early 50s. Um, is it an idea with merit or should we let the past die? Uh, it's an excellent discussion. I, of course, am of the opinion that the past is important. Otherwise, I wouldn't be living here. Um, so uh, so we, we would hope that if they ever in the future decided to revive this idea of, of uh, giving Hugos to things before the Hugos, uh, that they carry through. Of course, we would also ask that they go beyond the usual suspects like uh, Campbell and Lovecraft uh, and look at the unsung creators of the day. So for instance, I don't know if you knew this, but in Campbell's magazine, Unknown, which was the fantasy companion to Astounding in the late 30s, early 40s, there were nine women who were published in those pages, um, many of whom only wrote for Unknown and published stories there. Uh, and I meant this not to Campbell for publishing them. He was not any more forward-sighted than anyone else in the era. But these women's work, uh, including uh, Lee Brackett, are worth reading. So if you get a chance, it is important to enjoy the past because there's so many unsung classics back there. And so if they ever have something, oh, call it the retro Hugos, I should hope that instead of canceling them um, as some sort of protest against celebrating the past, instead look for these underrepresented, underappreciated lost classics uh, and bring them to the fore. This has been a public service announcement of Galactic Journey. Not to subject change, back to bug monsters. <laughs> <laughs> like the wrong topic to go back to, but I've got one here. I like friendly oh. bug monsters. This He's adorable. To He's a cute bug monster. Oh. <laughs> Who's a little a, bug monster? You're a bug monster. I have like a fly looking one. It's not so cute. <laughs> they have a sandwich? Is that a sandwich they've got? The piece of bread. Oh. Just because I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Look like pancakes. Maybe they're dripping oh, down. And... That sounds delicious. Oh my gosh. We had French toast for breakfast. Oh, yeah. makes me hungry. <laughs> I want French toast. <laughs> It was delicious, time. dripping oh. with butter and maple syrup and oh, oh man, other carbohydrates. <laughs> delicious. Anyway. Oh. All right, Lorelai, what do you got? Oh, oh. oh. I love that. That's really wow. good. It's a uh, it's a crocodile and a goat mixed together. Crocodile. Oh. Go to dial. Go to dater. Alligator. <laughs> Crocodile. All right, we have 12 minutes left, which is enough time for one prompt. Uh, uh, what is a good prompt? You know, we were going to do spaceships last one, and we didn't do a spaceship last one. How do you feel about drawing a spaceship? Will that work? Yeah. All right. They're going to be drawing a spaceship. You know, um, one of the neat things about there's a new show coming out called Star Trek. Um, it may be coming out as early as January 1966, uh, starring William Shatner, who you may remember from two episodes of The Twilight Zone and one of The Outer Limits. Um, and what was really neat about that is unlike all the other ships I've seen on television, it's not a big pencil or, 
or bullet shell. It's got a weird, not aerodynamic shape to it. It's like got a flying saucer, but it's got these pylons coming out the back. Very clearly not designed to enter an atmosphere. It's, it's one of the first really science fiction inspired designs. So I'm interested to see if you go with the more traditional pulp science fiction or personal Jetsons vehicle or something more realistic, thoughtful, um, like the Enterprise. Here's a drawing of us. Yes. Oh, there you go. I want to draw more lasers. <laughs> you do look determined. Jimmy, I need to commission you and pay you lots of money to do lots <laughs> of Galactic Journey themed art because yeah. we could do so many cool promos. I would agree with this. In fact, if you like Jimmy, uh, after the show, hit me up with ideas for how you think we could do promotions because that would be amazing. Business, it happens everywhere. Will these sketches be available for purchase? Uh, uh. <laughs> why not? Does anyone mind selling their work? No, that's fine. All right, tell you what, if you are interested in purchasing any of these works, uh, the great news is I can get you in touch with all of these people. So if you go to Portal 55, for instance, I can directly connect you with people. But if you can't, all you have to do is go to Galactic Journey and contact the traveler. And if you do that, I will be happy to connect you with any of the people on here. Not only that, but I suspect everyone here does some sorts of commissions. Um, and of course, they charge commensurate to their ability. So I suspect it's thousands of dollars for three or four dots. Um, but, uh, but perhaps they'll, they're willing to haggle. But uh, no, absolutely. Lorelei's looks a bit like a fuse or a spark plug. Mine is going to be a personal spaceship. Of course. I was, uh, when I wrote Keytra, which is my, my space adventure, um, I paid considerable heed to some of the feedback I was getting uh, around the various communications, um, all the coffee clashes and such. There is this idea in science fiction, particularly in the 50s and maybe beyond, that a, a spaceship is like a car and you just get into it with no maintenance, logistics, or anything like that. When in fact, I mean, even a plane requires hours of maintenance and pre-flight checks and certification. Um, and a space mission like Gemini 5, which is currently in orbit around the Earth, uh, doesn't require two astronauts. It requires hundreds of thousands of people, the technicians, the radio receivers, the computer data breakdown people, the flight controllers, 
all the people involved in the manufacture of all the thousands of parts that go in to a Gemini capsule, not to mention the Titan II rocket underneath them, and then making it rated for their safety. So I have tried in my books to indicate the fact that there is logistical necessity whenever you fly a ship, even if you have your own personal starship like Keetra does. There we go. <laughs> oh, great. I love that giant eye. Hmm. So how is, uh, how is, how are they not uh, exploding in the vacuum of space? That's, uh, their species can do that. They're oh. very, uh... <laughs> so, so the scientific answer is cause. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. They know something we don't. <laughs> they have to take these uh, large pills and then they can uh, fly through space without exploding. Space right. vitamins. Space vitamins. Space vitamins. <laughs> All right, you got five minutes. Can you do it? Speed. That's what I just said, five minutes. <laughs> okay, here's mine. Oh, that's oh, cool. I love it. So cool. Thanks. What a great silhouette. <laughs> you, can, you can put that up for a little longer. Let people really enjoy oh. it. Uh, <laughs> I like that it's like in motion to get some speed yeah. I like the, yeah. the detail on the, on the hull. Oh, it looks like Lorelei's making a ship that is designed to be rotated for artificial gravity. Great. Very realistic. I could see a, uh, I could see it being like a, a space station. Sometime in the future, you could have lots of different races meeting on it. It could be sort of a, a diplomatic. Uh, a place of gathering, a home away from home. And uh, because of all the different languages, you might call it something biblically inspired like Babylon. <laughs> Maybe give it a number to indicate that there's been lots of them. Babylon 15 or something. Just an idea, just pulling that out of nowhere. <laughs> well, I've made a ship that kind of looks like a pierogi, not intentionally. <laughs> Ooh. Oh wow! Someone's hungry. I love the I love the asymmetry of that. Show yeah, that again. That's really great. Yeah, show that again. That was really cool. Oh, I love that. I don't know if the ship is going anywhere fast, but <laughs> no, I love the the stylized nature of it. It's really cool. All right, can Lorelai finish her uh, her ship in time? I do. I drew another Gideon drawing. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, I'm, I'm, oh, wow. Oh, oh I resemble that. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me sign some autographs. Let's see, John Smith. Oh. 
I love it. <laughs> so that cool trick never worked. What, Alyssa? Oh, I was just saying it's really cool watching Lower Light Drop. It's like in action. In color. <laughs> so that's an exciting thing. The in that in September, just wow, just a couple of weeks from now, the fall season's gonna open up. And I think it's CBS that's gonna be, or maybe it's NBC that's gonna be an all-color prime time for the 8% of Americans who have color TV sets. But uh, if one of the networks does it, I suspect it's gonna be all color by next year. Wow. So we're gonna be able to see the underdog in color? <laughs> it's gonna be like the Lucy show in Bonanza, except all the shows. Lorelai loves Bonanza, by the way. It is her favorite television show. Uh. Underdog still has one of the most heroic theme songs I've ever heard. Does it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to call it here. You made it. You're, uh, you're muted. Yeah, I know. So um, basically my idea for this one is there's the, the central part here is where the humans stay. So it's a like rotated like a central gravity or artificial gravity uh, well. And all of those squares are windows to rooms. And then the back part here is a giant engine, which is used both to power the thrusters and to rotate the central part. And then the front there, is uh, both computer and uh, reserve power. And at the very front is a little uh, like uh, gun because- <laughs> You have to. You have to, you never know. <laughs> it's not a weapon, it's a communications laser. <laughs> all right, well, that is our show today. We hope you all enjoyed it, both of you. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we hope to see you at the portal. We hope to see you at the journey. And thank you, Nas, for inviting us to be at your wonderful show. Uh, we hope to be working together again. Um, and the next show that Galactic Journey is going to do is in two weeks, we will be doing uh, another Journey show, a uh, fandom-inspired show. So be sure to come. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, all. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.